Are you exposed to aging as a new category of risk? As the U.S. population ages, the fundamentals of wealth and saving for retirement will change. That change includes reduced financial ability to make decisions. Will you be caught up in the mistakes this will cause? Money Matters USA with Fred Sage. And you also need to work with your advisor to create multiple income streams. You're at the right place for information every week regarding all the components of a successful retirement plan. Asset allocation is really a driving force for how much your accounts are going to grow. Fred Sade is a financial fiduciary and retirement specialist. I have to put the client's interest ahead of my own pocketbook at, at all times. I must be able to justify why I'm making the recommendations. Money Matters USA with Fred Sade. Hey, welcome in. It's Money Matters USA. This is the podcast that's dedicated to retirement strategies and everything that you should consider as you enter retirement or as you're close to retirement. Fred Sade puts everything together for us every week on a, new, a brand new podcast. Fred is the founder and managing director of the fiduciary firm Money Matters USA. Fred holds a PhD in economics from Duke University and also contributes to many financial publications and websites. Most importantly, though, he can contribute the right strategies in a custom fashion for you and your retirement. Fred, how are you today? I'm great, Dave. How are you? Great to be back here. I tell you, uh, some really eye-opening statistics we're going to run down on the podcast today. As you said, aging is now considered a risk. I mean, we are living longer. And right now, there are 98.8 million Americans over the age of 54, more than 56 million over 64. By 2030, these totals will rise to 112.2 and 73.1 million, respectively. Between today and 2035, the number of people 65 and older is expected to grow more than six times faster than the number of those under 55. By 2035, the Census Bureau says there will be more people in the U.S. over the age of 65 than under 18 for the first time in our history. And when the bull stock market run began in 2009, the median age of a baby boomer was 53. Now it's 65 and rising. The products and services and goals of a 53-year-old are quite different than for most people over the age of 65. So, Fred, yes, we're living longer. uh, And just like Japan, we are uh, an aging nation. Yeah, we certainly are. And and it's absolutely... Uh, amazing, staggering, it's it's mind-boggling, the implications of all this social, financial, political, the economic, the impact on our society. And um, when I was thinking about the whole problem, uh, I I, I was with my grandkids, Hmm. and we were watching Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Okay. And I started thinking about Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and thinking of a short quote that uh, Ronald Dahl, uh, who wrote the script, and I'd like to quote just a piece of that because I think it's it's terribly relevant. Uh So. This is, this is a shortened version, but this is I'm quoting now. There's no earthly way of knowing which direction they are going. There's no knowing. 
where they're rowing or which way the river's flowing. For the rowers keep on rowing, and they're certainly not showing any signs that they are slowing. <laughs> now, in that case, are you talking about an army of uh, older Americans? Yeah, that's, that's, that is exactly, that's exactly right. I, we are a, heading in the same direction as Japan. China also has an aging society. And this has enormous implications. The centers, <clears throat> excuse me, the Centers for Disease Control, the National Center for Health Statistics, says that almost 80% of adults in the U.S. over 55 suffer from at least one chronic illness. The Pew Centers in their research, they say that 47% of adults aged between 49 and 59 are raising children and caregiving for an aging parent at the same time. Mm. The conclusion I draw is that it is absolutely utterly impossible to separate or draw a line between managing money on one side of the page from maintaining health on the other side of the page, I think the two are interrelated, and I think it is simply a function of an aging population. Yeah. I mean, I mean, absolutely, that that makes perfect sense. And these demographic shifts that we're seeing, it means that you, as an advisor, uh, Fred, have to be more initiative taking in addressing this new risk that you refer to aging uh, before COVID nineteen. In the uh, 2017 Merrill Lynch Retirement Survey, 49% of responders said a costly health issue was their top financial retirement worry. So 49%, uh, just for comparison, only 13% said that they were worried about negative stock market returns. Uh, The Merrill Lynch survey results were confirmed by Franklin Templeton, Fidelity, and others. So it means that they're really, really, people are taking note of that, that serious risk that's connected to longevity. Yes, longevity really tops tops the list. And when you're working uh, with people who are, you know, in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, uh, as I do, a lot, some of my clients are in their 80s, 90s. My oldest client who died last year was 102 years of age. He at least recognized that he needed a power of attorney to help him make decisions. And he'd been using a power of attorney since he was about 80. But, uh, but he is an exception. And uh, he recognized that he had diminished capacity to make financial decisions. And the Franklin Templeton study found that the peak age for financial decision-making occurs around age 53. And when you have an aging population, it, it, it makes this whole problem worse because we're not seeing any real significant results in fighting either dementia, which is a condition, or Alzheimer's, which is a disease. In fact, Alzheimer's is the only disease among the top 10 causes of death in the U.S. that cannot be prevented cannot be cured and merely can't be seriously slowed. 
This suggests that dementia will be an enormous burden on our society over the next decade, and that burden has to be funded. Yeah, I mean, it certainly does. And um, unless we and I, you know, there's talk of some medication now to address this, but we're really would be counting on some some major health care breakthroughs is uh, is cognitive decline the only threat to financial decision making. The reason I ask that is that we also do a video series and you spoke about uh, behavioral issues, too. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's true. Um some of the behavioral issues that come up here and are relevant is that people are overconfident in their decision-making. There's a condition called recency bias, where they're assuming that what happened most recently will continue to happen in the immediate or not-too-distant future. And then the, one of the key differences uh, is focal point. When something happens, people don't recognize that it's happened, and so they don't shift what they're looking at. Their, their focal point fails to to change, to take account of, of, of changed circumstances. But there's some additional things that are important, and, and frequently we find depression, and that's it's been worsened by isolation caused by COVID-19. Get a lot of emotional decision making. People listen to the radio, the satellite radio, or um, they watch uh, cable television or streaming television and watch the business stations. And you know, they, all of a sudden, somebody says, "Do this or that," and they say, "You got to do this before the day is out." Blah blah blah. And so, a lot of people are doing professional day trading. And so all of this is, is an issue, and people who, who are in this situation will frequently act impulsively. Uh, all of this, all of these things, depression, emotional decision-making, impulsivity, these will negatively influence financial decision-making on top of the other behavioral issues that I had mentioned. And, and these conditions get worse with age. So when... When you talk with a client about their ability to make sound financial decision, you have you have to have this conversation. It's very painful, difficult conversation to tell a client that you need to bring your power of attorney with you to a meeting. Now, in New Jersey, and I can't speak for other states, but in New Jersey, uh, a person who uh, is cognitively impaired. Uh, is not responsible for any decisions that they make at any time, even if they are perfectly rational part of the time. Oh, okay. So the, the, those decisions are in, there's no decision that they can make that's valid legally. So it has to be made by their, their power of attorney to be um, valid. And this puts an enormous burden uh, on the advisor to recognize what the signs are. Now, I've been studying at um, MIT Age Labs, but um, Boston College's retirement uh, center also has some very good stuff. But uh, since we have a responsibility in, in this matter, then it is necessary. Uh, if, if you suspect that they're not behaving in, in a way or speaking in a way that 
shows that that their that their decision making is impaired. It's important to then ask them, do you have a power of attorney? Would you object to having your power of attorney present uh, while we're discussing financial matters? And many of them will tell you, yes, I do have a power of attorney, and, and uh, um, let me speak to them. I, who is it? Well, usually it's their son or daughter, or uh, it's usually a member of their family. Uh, so it's, it's, not, it's not an enormous burden. But it is important. It protects them, and it also protects the advisor. <clears throat> yeah, and then when you look at it, because I know you've done a lot of, you've done extensive research on the topic here, and you put together some uh, statistics from the Alzheimer's Association. And basically what it boils down to is whether you're dealing with, you know, with people with Alzheimer's or you know, dementia of some form, about 25% of the average firm's clients are at risk for, for poor financial decisions or even even exploitation and, and, of course, that's a major thing, too, because especially older people uh, and the older generation tends to be very trusting, too. So how do you even measure the cost of poor decisions and those who may be victims of financial abuse? It's a great question, and it's very difficult to be able to figure out how, to, how do you measure poor decision makers making. And most of us. Uh, know older adults who, who have made poor choices with, with their money, uh, choices that they were unlikely to have made earlier in their lives when they were younger, uh, things like impulsive purchases, overconfident bets uh, in the stock market, uh, failure to think of the stock market as a series of bets, or maybe they made a real estate uh, purchase that was unwise. Maybe they, you know, went on one of those junkets uh, where they're selling you timeshares. Th- those are the greatest salesmen in the world. <laughs> right. Yeah. You get out. Yeah. Oh boy, uh, yeah. So, um, all of these things can just tear apart and wreck someone's personal finances. And uh, to be personal for a minute, and quite frank, I I experienced that in my own family because of my father's serious illness, in which he was clinically dead for about 10 minutes. And he was revived, but his decision-making was was poor after that. And he had a lot of surgeries over a two-year period where he pretty much lived at um, at Mass General. Mm -hmm. Saved his life, but... Uh, all of that surgery and, and being clinically dead for 10 minutes cost him a great deal of mental acuity. Uh-huh. And, I, and I have to say that it, it, it tried my long-suffering mother. Uh, she was just worn out, and she died suddenly. And I, I know this is poetic, and I know it's not medical, but I have always suspected that she couldn't take it anymore. She just gave up. Mm. She just had enough, and, yeah. and she just laid down and died. Wow. Well, I mean, yeah, there there are many sad stories wrapped around this. I mean, you, it is on, on on the one hand, it's it's great that we are living longer, but it's it's also creating something new for people like you to deal with. We're going to take a break here, and there's more to come on this. Couple of side notes on this, just to pick your brain, Fred. Um, well, kind of quick hit things. We're talking about our aging nation, and I know from the industry of uh, advertising and marketing and in radio, the the sweet demographic spot for so many 
years was 25 to 54. You know, that's who they wanted to reach. Um, right. That's going to change if it hasn't already, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, um, some some of the uh, networks focus on the over 55, particularly in their evening programming. Uh, and this, this includes three news networks and, and one business network. CNBC has Jim Cramer, and, and Cramer is, is aiming at people in their 50s and 60s mm-hmm. who are do-it-yourself investors. Uh, but he's, that's not the only uh, network that, that, uh, that does that. Uh, Fox Business uh, has uh, Charles Payne on, and Payne, uh, Charles Payne is also aimed at the do-it-yourself investor. I buy, I buy research from, from Charles Payne. He's very interesting, uh, but he's, he's uh, uh, transactionally focused, uh, fundamental analysis, uh, bottom-up is, is his approach, and, and um, he's got a pretty good track record. So... These are all aimed, uh, and I'm just giving you two examples. Uh, Bloomberg has an afternoon program also, which is aimed at uh, do-it-yourselfers in, in that same age uh, uh, cohort. So, yeah, I mean, the, this is not, uh, you know, this is not the the early evening entertainment uh, comedy shows that are that are aimed at, at younger. People, these other shows are aimed at people who have money. Yeah, well, I mean, absolutely, and um, and I think I think the whole everything is going to shift here a little bit um, as we move on, and 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 the you know, well, the country ages. It is aging. It's an aging nation. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll pick up the conversation about the risks for individual clients, but also for financial planning and money management firms. That is still to come on the podcast, Money Matters USA. Getting the right retirement strategy suited to your unique needs and desires is hitting the bullseye. You can say, I nailed it. You actually should say, we nailed it, because there's a fiduciary firm that's right there with you putting together the pieces of your very own retirement puzzle. It's a bullseye plan for you. Call Fred Sade at Money Matters USA at 800-593-8188. That's 800-593-8188. Hey, we're back with Money Matters USA with Fred Sade. Fred is a fiduciary, heads up the firm, which he founded, the fiduciary firm Money Matters USA, so the same name. Someone who's been in the financial services industry for many years, he is well-versed on the uh, strategies, especially as as we talk about retirement, getting to retirement, staying in retirement, and everything that needs to be considered today, not things that were considered in 1985, things that should be considered in 2021. And that's kind of the... um, the theme of the podcast today, the fact that now uh, challenges that people like Fred face are not only carrying someone through retirement longer because we're living longer and giving them the strategies of making sure to rest that fear of running out of money in retirement, but also dealing with a higher probability of some some form of dementia or cognitive impairment. And that's what we're talking about uh, today on the show. You know, there are, there are rules and laws uh, that provide protection for those over age 65 and, and for the firm. Can, can you briefly review some of those, Fred? Yeah, sure. Um, FINRA Rule 2165 says that 
If you have a reasonable belief, reasonable belief that financial exploitation has occurred or is occurring or has been attempted or will be attempted, you can put a temporary hold on any disbursement of funds or securities from the account of someone who, who you would designate as a specified adult. And, and that put that in quotes because that's in the stat, that's in the regulation. And if you rely on this rule, you have to develop and document your training policies or programs designed to show that anyone who's acting on behalf of the firm is complying with this rule 2165. Uh, another consideration would be the Senior Safe Act, and this provides this is a federal law that provides immunity from liability in certain civil or administrative proceedings if you report what you believe to be as potential exploitation of a senior citizen. Well, the Act goes on to say that you have to be trained on how you would identify and report this exploitative activity. And if you're not properly trained, then the act contemplates that you don't know how to recognize it and you cannot make the report. Many states have standards. Uh, my research shows that there are 29 states, could possibly be more, but they, these states require advisors and broker dealers to report suspected exploitation of an older or vulnerable client. The states vary on which agency or agencies you should make the report to, but it could be senior protective services, adult protective services, the state securities, regulators, uh, and it could even be law enforcement depending upon the circumstances. I mean, in, in other words, re regulators are, are focusing on an advisor's interactions with older adults and steps that they, they're taking to protect the seniors' expectation being that there will be more regulatory scrutiny and the size of financial penalties to increase for noncompliance. A, a good point to note that, Fred, just I, I'll, I'll bring it up because you may not. You're a fiduciary. And right. so that, that, that gives that a level of comfort in dealing with someone who's a fiduciary. Well, I I th I think so because we have to, we have to look at people holistically, and if if for any reason, and we have a a compliance manual for this, and uh, if if we think that they're being exploited, our first step is to ask them to uh, come in for a meeting or. Or if they're much older, you know, 70, late 70s, 80s, 90s, we'll, we'll go to them. Now, unfortunately, there are enough documented incidents where an adult child is exploiting them. Mm -hmm. So we want, to, we want to see them up close. And um, do they have any bruises or, 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 or whatnot? And if... if 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 they are buttoned up to the to the neck, and wearing uh, several layers of clothing, and it's not that cold, uh, then you have to wonder if they're hiding something. If you're suspicious, you would need to report that. 
If you're yes, I would. I, I, yeah. I would call uh, Adult Protective Services mm-hmm. and, and indicate uh, my suspicions and, and then let them uh, investigate. Uh, the um, thing of it is that uh, there are additional regulations for advisors from the North American Securities Administrators Association, and, and they issued a, a guide something called a guide for developing practices and procedures for protecting senior investors and vulnerable adults from financial exploitation. Wow, say that without having to breathe. <laughs> right. <laughs> the, uh, it, the guide is valuable because it, it does focus on, on the training issues and how to communicate and how to report and how to uh, assess people's capacity. Um there's one other thing that I that I think uh, needs to be talked about because I've seen this as an issue, and and that is that conventional risk tolerance questionnaires. Now you have to put everybody through risk tolerance, and you know the attitude is well, you know it, it's we got to check the, this box, we got to put you through this before we can do anything. But my experience is that these uh, conventional risk tolerance questionnaires are absolutely not helpful. They don't identify, they don't help you in any way identify risk capacity, diminished capacity uh, when you're trying to figure this out. Because the problem with with figuring out diminished capacity using the um, risk tolerance questionnaire is that one of the aspects of dementia is uh, people have a lack of being able to control their their inhibitions. In, in other words, we, we have, you know, we, we have we have certain internal defenses that control that inhibit us from certain forms of behavior, certain forms of speech. And as and as people age, and especially with dementia, those those um, uh, blockages, those uh, uh, those controls disappear. So the danger here is this person is going to score out as somebody who's willing to take a, a great deal of risk. And in this situation, it's excessive risk. And what we also see is uh, a decline in, in what's usually referred to as executive function. And all that really means is people that you give people facts, and they just can't form the proper conclusions. In other words, the, the colloquial way to say, hey, you, can't you connect the dots? Well, you wouldn't say that, but you know what I'm saying yeah. is, is that they can't connect the dots. Well, so the, here's the thing. A person can answer the risk tolerance questionnaire in such a way to suggest that they are perfectly okay with very high levels of risk-taking. And in fact, what we're really seeing is they don't understand the long-term consequences of risk-taking and and what the implications are and the consequences are of making those decisions. So this then becomes very, very uh, difficult uh, to, to deal with because even when you try to get into uh, the normal, or I wouldn't say normal, but the other things which you're looking at, how much money are you willing to lose? They got, uh, answers that I have gotten is, oh, I'm willing to lose 100%. And that, that doesn't make any sense. Mm, that no. somebody, you know, somebody's sitting there right. and saying, I'm willing to lose everything I've Would got. Would answer it that way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there, there's, no, there's no limit. And since they, since all these inhibitions break down, 
you you can't you can't look at risk composure because there's nothing going on internally that's going to tell them that that they have to act they, they don't they don't they don't perceive that there's a need uh, for for action so all of these standard ways or the additional ways that we might use just are not going to work in in this situation so this this is an enormous uh, burden and um, and, and since the regulators are very clear that we have a responsibility, uh, we're not being offered training uh, in, normally in, in any situation that we would have to deal with. And if you, and because we have the responsibility, you have to seek out the, the training at your own expense and, 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 and then um, you know, go through the normal expenses of compliance. Well, you know, listening to to the conversation today and listening to you talking and, and giving these really uh, statistics and, and actually of, of our aging generation, but actually also of what the challenge is that you as a fiduciary financial advisor, especially dealing in the universe of retirement planning, will have to face in the future coming. And it actually gets me thinking of a couple of things in closing here, Fred. One is the importance of having uh, that, that power of attorney, financial health care power of attorney set up. And also, while you're early on, if, if let's say you're listening now and you're getting closer to retirement, it's a time to start looking at also to some long-term care protection that you can put in place. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, th- this is leading to uh, one of our, our next podcasts where we're going to talk about this whole uh, issue of, of how to look at the or different ways of looking at the problem of uh, paying for uh, long-term care. Okay. And yeah. this that is, again, a major issue. It's a societal issue. And the latest statistics that I've seen is that about 8% uh, is being, uh, of long-term care is being paid for through private uh, insurance. But given, given the reality of an aging population, uh, you, you, people cannot expect government to be able to pony up for for their for their care, and this and this is an increasingly difficult situation where we're we're looking at uh, potentially serious issues here. We've got we've got Medicare insolvent, uh, you know, in in uh, in 2025. I don't know what Congress is going to do. They'll do something. Uh, we have Social Security uh, facing some kind of reduction up to 25, 30, 33 percent. We don't quite know where it is, but anywhere from from 20, 31, 32, 33, uh, depending on you know which actuaries you you think are accurate, and something has to be done uh, about that. And we don't. We no longer live in a in a society where we have pensions for the overwhelming majority of Americans who are dependent on on their on their own uh, efforts, whatever those efforts are, whether it's an IRA, four hundred one k, four fifty seven, you know, cousins, aunts, uncles, and cousins of four hundred one k's. Uh, personal pensions. I mean, it's it's all individual responsibility. Uh, it, now that the 
social security system is 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 being is being undermined absolutely by by population growth and 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 dependency i mean we we have just about two workers for every one retiree um i haven't seen the new stats yet uh, that will eventually come out uh, the impact of COVID nineteen, the you know the the, the great uh, unemployment situation, the, the great the great uh, resignation. Uh, I've heard resignation. It yeah, yeah, I've heard I've heard that. The phrase what that's going to do to it. So, it already uh, yeah. was projected to be a two to one, uh, from three to one. But it, who knows? You're saying we could be there already. Um, I, think we are i think yeah. we're yeah i've heard 2.5 i think we're clo- a lot yeah, closer, closer to, to, to it. two to support one you know it's interesting yeah. i was listening to a british report on on the very early uh, version of uh, bloomberg around 5 a.m and they were talking uh about uh the british situation and their supply chain issues, and, mm-hmm. and they have some of the same problems that we do: yeah. aging population, aging truck driver force, uh, and and re- early retirements. Uh, people not coming back from COVID nineteen, and they're talking about maybe having to lock down again uh, in in Britain because um, their use of the AstraZeneca and Pfizer vaccine ha- ha- they have found it. Uh, uh, not to be as protective as uh, as they originally thought it it might be, uh, and so their national wow. health service is at capacity right now. Yeah, to so it's not true. a good situation. No, for, it's not for the UK. Well, I tell you, you know, when you were talking about the the, the like supply issues that they're facing there as well, it it makes me think of, and I've been interviewing people for years talking about the coming desperate need for different vocations such as electric linemen nurses as the baby boomer generation retires which they are to the tune of about yep. 10,000 a day and the one thing that I has always I've talked to um, to uh, uh, educators about this their concern is that there seems to be that thought set of one track for college and yeah. not enough yeah. emphasis put on learning a trade, which can be quite yes. lucrative. Yeah, it, it, absolutely. And, you know, apropos of what you're saying, uh, as there's, there's greater application now openly of, of the use of artificial intelligence and the use of robotics, and and not not just simply you know the the clunky metal things that do welding. Right. I mean you, you're talking you're talking about increasing sophistication of replacing humans uh, with with machines and machine learning, artificial intelligence, and 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 using robotics. Uh, because if we don't have the population to do it, we we have to have we, we still has to get done. Unfortunately, the United States is the only major. Uh, economy, uh, you know, in 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 the in the world that depend that is totally dependent on immigration. Uh, we we just don't, and we I think we discussed this, and I think in, in one of our videos uh, on on the population of, mm-hmm. of the United mm-hmm. States, it is just not growing at a rate that's fast enough to to uh, to support replication, nah. and and therefore we we need immigration. To, to come in and, and do things. And, and it doesn't always have to be manual labor. I mean, this is also intellectual uh, labor and it's um, all sorts of professionals. I mean, it's sure. from soup to nuts. 
Oh, absolutely. And you mentioned artificial intelligence. It's funny you said that because I was just having a conversation with a uh, someone who, you know, like like me, I was in radio for years, and they were too. And they were saying that now they're working on artificial intelligence for even you know for radio announcers, basically, where they would they because it sounds so human now, it doesn't sound robotic. So I mean, basically, where I'm going with this, Fred, is that I could be replaced by yeah. uh, artificial intelligence. <laughs> Well, I uh, got to tell you, uh, I saw a documentary. <laughs> no, it, it, look, uh, you, yeah. you're, you hit the nail on the head. I saw yeah. a documentary on Paramount uh, streaming, Paramount streaming. It used to be CBS streaming. It's now Paramount Plus streaming. And, and it's all about um, uh, speech and, and, how, and how speech can be adjusted. It, all they need you to say is, how now, brown cow? And they can then take that and, and give and have sentences, paragraphs, an entire program uh, that they can construct using artificial using artificial speech, and it will sound like you. Well, Fred, you wouldn't request artificial intelligence over me for this podcast, though. No, no, you? no. Don't, don't, okay. don't, don't, don't even think I'm that. I'm never going to say how now, brown cow, because you'd be able to take that and replace me, Fred. <laughs> I'm yeah. kidding. All right. Well, listen, we've got great information as always, Fred. You keep us informed, and there's this, I feel, a series beginning here, so there's more yes. to come. So we oh, ask yeah. you to stay with us on this podcast. Also, check out the video series of the same name, Money Matters USA, and we'll talk to you soon. We're recording just before Christmas, so Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to everyone. Yes, same here. Enjoy the holidays. Stay safe. Stay well and stay out of traffic. Investment advisory services offered through Money Matters USA, LLC. Fred Sade and his guests provide general information, not individually targeted personalized advice, and are not liable for the usage of information discussed. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles should not be considered investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell in any of these financial vehicles. This information should also not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with a professional specializing in the fields of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to the securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company and are offered through Money Matters USA LLC. By contacting Money Matters USA, you may be provided information regarding the purchase of insurance products.